0: Good morning, dear ladies. It's one minute till. Let's go ahead and get started on our prayer list because I'm going to tell you right now this wonderful, wonderful truth from the Word of God is going to turn into a two week series. I have no doubt. So I do want to get started on it as soon as possible. I wrote it as a one week lesson. It ain't going to happen. And so let's get our prayer requests. I've got a couple, I've got a couple praises I want. Uh, First of all, Don Bennett's surgery went wonderfully. The doctor was so pleased, and just praising God for now as he recovers and heals. And then Bruce, prayerfully, pray that he can come home from the hospital today. Um, He has been on our faithful, faithful prayer times uh, every day. And the pastor said yesterday when he came home, he was at the hospital, and he said, Man! They keep moving Bruce around. You know at some point they're going to always find something wrong with you. <laughs> and, uh, but there was an infection from the surgery, the earlier surgery, the kidney surgery. and um, so they pinpointed it. They took a, um, got samples to pinpoint the right antibiotic. So just pray that this uh, purifies and, and God's hand touches Bruce's body and brings that healing. Because there's no place like home. If you were here last week, home, sweet home. There is a beautiful, safe spot before we get home, and that's at home. And we want Bruce to get home, and we want that for Carol as we uplift you in prayer. Waiting time is the hardest time. I want to say it is wonderful to see Naomi. It is wonderful to see, where's Shannon? Shannon, (laughs) you moved. (laughs) You moved on me. And... uh, and it's wonderful to see you. Um, let's quickly take some prayer requests. Karen, I saw your hand. Um, the health inspection is on Monday. So if everything goes well, we will be able to start putting stuff back in the kitchen. That <sighs> is a monumental task for me, especially, <laughs> and <laughs> having to help, you know, stress all that. Far there, too. But Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So for that. But um, thank you all for your prayers. Amen. Uh, it's been a long five. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, another. Luke um, found a house with a purchase agreement on it. Inspection went well, so within the next month or so they should be moving. And then um, have a prayer request that um, Don and Deb has asked me to share with the class. Um, uh, Dave is trying to come back from Japan early, and there's a small possibility that God can work out that he could get stationed around Ann Arbor Detroit area. Wow! Dave coming back from Japan, and what an amazing thing, not only that he gets to be deployed from Japan, but to have that position nearby. Okay, amen, 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 that's right, that's right, amen, all right, I saw another hand over, did I see a hand over here? Safety and health. Yes. Sherry. Uh, I'm sorry, Sharon. 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 And Sharon has been faithful, faithful, faithful. And I just praise the Lord. And I have talked to Sharon. Um, She has a wonderful testimony. And she is living and learning in God's grace. And I just praise the Lord for your life. Kathy. A R T E K T E K Arctic, premature. Okay. So Amen. I mean, fire Amen. Fire. Amen. How many weeks early? 15 weeks early. Two pounds, two two oh, wow. Wow, that is amazing. Hi, girls. Yes, Vivian. Early on. And he grew up to be his Amen, I know, God is able. Yeah, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, back two years ago, yeah. Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. And I A- yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yes, Michelle, Gabe? Gabe's uh, Gabe's uh, leg. The doctor's appointment before he leaves for college. Get that taken care of. Yeah, great. Yvonne, I am so happy to see you. (laughs) Okay. Yep, Yvonne. I want to see you after class. I have something for you. But I all I want us all to say in the count of three. Happy birthday! One, two, three. Ready? Happy, happy birthday. birthday! Now it was about ten days ago. She had a big birthday, and it is just a blessing that you're in class, girl. That's 60, great. 60 years old. No, I wasn't going to tell. It was a big one. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Please pick up a prayer list and make it a part of your. Daily sweet time with the Lord as we lift each other up in prayer. And, um, and Trine, um, if anybody does anybody need a cookie? You did not get a cookie because you've got to read what's on your cookie. If you don't need cookies, give it away. Um, yeah, and, um, that the point is the message on the cookie. Now, on our board are all the verses that we're going to be covering this week and next week, and girls, they are so rich. And full and life freeing. you've got to write these references down and make your own personal body. Or take a picture. That's what Cindy does. I love that. It's nice to have Cindy back, my right-hand lady. And uh, Maya will appreciate being able to read the prayer sheets, that's for sure. So, all righty, let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this beautiful Sunday. Thank you for Sunday school. Thank you for this little bit of time set aside Lord, we we can concentrate on the truths that we so desperately need to know. God, open our hearts and minds to all that you have for us, Lord. I'm so filled with this beautiful, this beautiful message that Jesus Himself preached to the multitudes about going the second mile. Lord, it is it is so victorious, and and Lord, I just pray that you would help me teach it clearly, and that the pieces would fall in place in each of our lives because, Lord, we all run. We all run. We run ourselves haggard. And, Lord, you give us the wherewithal to run for your glory and by your grace. And may we get that and understand that and put it into practice, I pray, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Leslie. It's, yes, yes, certainly. Um, see Ellie would you see Ellie Ellie's in charge of all that I have no clue so Okay, would you see Ellie on that that would be that would be great. Yep. Yeah, good Okay, that's great from her funeral. That's great. All right Well, what is the date today? August August. It's not the number. It's the month. It's August. Tell the lady next to you it's August. I, uh, see, now you're all noisy and I have to get you quiet again. I can't believe it's August. Do you know what I was saying the full last week of July? The full last week of July, every day I was saying don't turn into August, don't turn into August, don't turn into August. But it did because it is life. But life, I love summer now. I'm in the stage of life where all five of my senses, six if you count common sense, (laughs) but all five of my senses just embrace every aspect of summer. I go, how did I not love summer the best all my life? Well, you weren't as old as you are now. That's the plain fact of the matter. But summer, peaches and strawberries and blueberries. How many have been blueberry picking? Yeah. Oh yes, those purple fingers and better yet, the purple tongue. There's just nothing like it. And it's all layered underneath a layer of what? Whipped cream. Whipped cream, or it's all layered on top of what? Oh, oh, speaking of ice cream, <laughs> thank you, pal. Thank you. Hey, I'm talking about ice cream. Do you like ice cream? Like, mm-hmm. what's, what's your favorite? Um, is. Oreo. Oreo ice cream. Yep, yep, that's great. Thank you, pal. Oh, he would. He would would just entertain us all class. (laughs) Thank you, pal. All right, yeah. (laughs) But I love even more than the taste and the feel of summer. You know what I love about summer most of all? The sounds. The sounds of summer. Now, Doug and I greet the morning at 6 a.m. with our coffee cups, and we tiptoe out onto our back deck. The solar lights are still on because it's getting a little bit darker now, but the solar lights are still on, so with our cups of coffee, we sit down, and we we listen to the day awaken, and it's beautiful. We hear the birds twittering. We hear sounds happening that we don't naturally hear because it's quiet in the morning, and then the same thing at night. Now, the coffee's changed. Now it's decaf, and we're, we're walking out on the deck... And it's probably 10:30, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And the sounds now are the cicadas and the tree frogs. And, and then it's just that quietness. It's like day is saying, good night. See you soon because summer days come sooner. And I love it. I think, this is beautiful, Lord. This must feel a little bit like heaven. I love summer. I did not want July to turn into August, but it's life, and so it did. Mm. Summer sounds are the best. How many of you like to fish? Raise your hand if you like to fish. Oh, good for you. I don't care to fish, but I love to go with people who love to fish because it means I'm outdoors, and I'm either in the water or on the water. And one of my favorite memories and sounds was a fishing trip. We had all gone to my brother's uh, condo up uh, at Oscoda, it was uh, Daniel, Trina, and the three grandchildren. They were ages like 3, 5, and 7, or 4, 6, and 8, but right in, right in that age. And um, Daniel and Doug had patiently fixed all the fishing poles for the little ones. And Caitlin and Autumn were thrilled with the fact that they had their own little poles, and everybody had a red bobber put at the end of their poles. So we went out to this long, extended deck, and every their poles are all baited and we're standing and we're they cast out the bobber and the bobber is just doing this. You know how bobber isn't it fun to watch a bobber? I love watching a bobber, okay? But you have to be tell me. Patient. No, before you have to be patient, what do you have to be? Quiet. You have to quiet yourself on purpose. Now it's so hard. To be quiet, shh, quietness shouts with anticipation. That's, you know, something is going to happen. And compressing all the noise to the inside of a three, five, seven-year-old body to quiet oneself—I mean, it's it's electrifying. It's like the lighting of a firecracker. Remember your foolish days? I remember my foolish days. It's like the lighting of a firecracker. To be quiet as you light that fuse and it starts to travel down, you're quiet. And you wait a little bit quietly before you throw it, boom, it goes off, you know. But you wait for the quietness of what's going to happen. So Psalm 4610, our first takeoff verse. God calls us to a point of quietness. He says quiet yourself. Life is so noisy. Life is so full. Life is so distracting. You've got to on purpose quiet yourself. Psalm 46:10, be still and know. Now in my Bible I have the words be still circled and then I have an arrow pointing to the word know. Be still First first action, be still. As I'm obedient to that action, God calls me to be still. Why? He wants me to know something. And I'm not going to know what I need to know until I still my mind and my heart and my spirit. There's something he wants me to know that I won't know in the noise of my day. So he calls me to be still and know. And what is it he wants me to know? This is beautiful, girls. I am God. He calls me to this point of security and authority and power. Be still, Kathy, in the noise and the confusion and in the hardness and in the the situations of your day. Before your day begins, Sharon, be still and know, know what? That I am God. He has something he wants to tell me. It's about my day that has not yet even unfolded. He wants to tell me something about my day. He wants to equip me for my day, but I have to be still and listen and know. Know that he is God. Well, back to this fishing thing. I watched the girls get really, really quiet. It was really cute to watch them. It is so hard for a child to be quiet. And uh, when we all got really quiet, so there was Doug and Daniel, Trina and me, Clint and Caleb, Caitlin and Autumn, all on this big fishing deck, and it was <coughs> quiet. And you know what happens when you're quiet? You hear things you don't hear when you are noisy. We heard chirping, we heard tree frogs, we heard crickets, we heard twittering of birds, and we heard a big bullfrog clear its throat. That almost disrupted everything. And as Caitlin and Autumn and Trina and Daniel and Clint and me and Caleb held our breath, our lips were pressed tightly together. Our feet were rooted into that dock. Our eyes were focused on the little red bobbers when all of a sudden splash, (gasps) kerplunk, squeals let out and Autumn shouted out, Grandpa, I just knew you were going to catch a fish. (laughs) He pulled it in and uh He held it in his hands, and he said, okay, he needs to go back to his family. Who wants to kiss him goodbye? And so he got down, and all three little grandchildren (laughs) gathered around looking at this shimmery, slimy, scaly, bug-eyed oddity called fish. Yes, they even gave, oh, it looks like a pickle. Let's name it pickles. And just as they were getting ready, you kiss it goodbye it flipped out of Doug's hands and everybody screamed it was hilarious <laughs> Doug picked it up and threw it back in and, and Autumn saying grandma that scared me so much my gum fell out of my mouth <laughs> yeah, I, that, that, scared, the that right? scared the gum right out of my <laughs> mouth that scared the gum right. And sure enough, I looked down on the dock, and there was an enormous blob of turquoise gum right there. <laughs> I was just glad Caleb wasn't going to pick it up. You know, I <laughs> grabbed it and threw it. And so then, for the rest of the day, when anything anything surprises, you know what we all said? That scared the gum right out of my mouth. And we had another big laugh again. But the sounds and the tastes of summer, girls. If the Lord gives us. This week of summer in August, if he tarries and he gives us this beautiful summer week, he's placed before us a smorgasbord of delights because it is summer. And the menu reads, taste and see that I am good. The point of all of his gifts and the gifts of our five senses that receive and absorb these gifts is not just to love the gift. Not to, just to love the season, it's to love him, the maker of the gifts, the maker of our seasons, the maker of our time. So number one in this study that we're in for the next two weeks is be still and know that I am God, and God, may I love you in this season and in all the seasons to come. May I praise your name for the gifts you give me today. May that be my focus. Be still. Be still. And acknowledge Him. He's a powerful, personal God who wants His children to know Him. And he, there's something He wants you and me to hear. But we have to stop running. We have to stop running and listen. And this is what takes us to Matthew 5:41, because the multitudes have gathered to hear Jesus. They have traveled. The children were probably running and skipping. The parents were walking. They were probably carrying each other burdens and helping each other. They were all getting to this miracle worker who had something to tell them that they really wanted to hear because life was hard. Life is hard, isn't it, girls? Life is hard. Life is full of burdens. Life is full of disappointments. Life is full of challenges. And Jesus has something so amazingly Good for us to hear that is going to change every day we live unto this new truth. Matthew 5 41, he's talking to the multitudes. Now, understand this is back in Romans' rule. The Romans had conquered all of of this country, it was Rome, Rome was king. All right. So, Jesus begins with the law as he talks to these multitudes. He begins with the law because that's where they live. We live unto the law, the law of life. The law of life dictates we live unto the law of life. Now, here's the law Jesus was talking to them about. He says, Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Already? Two. That's the twain means two. That's why you have the two on your cookie. And Jesus says... Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, life compels us to do the mile. We have no choice, Yvonne. Jesus says, I want you to go too. It's called second mile Christianity. Second mile, look at your cookie, number two, and you aren't going to believe what Jesus says about this. First of all, everybody knew the law of the land. This is the law he was referring to the Romans had built an amazing road system throughout all their conquered territory. The roads were marked at each mile, and all, it was a stone marker, and all the markers pointed toward Rome with the amount of miles they needed to travel to get there. So every road system, I mean, it was better than your maps on your device, okay? Every mile had a marker on it. You, you've heard the saying, "All roads lead to," Rome. that's where this was originated. All roads did lead to Rome. All roads were marked at every mile, pointing towards Rome, and where and how far you had to go to get there. Now, that's an amazing fact, and Jesus is 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 talking about this to the. He says, "You all know the law." Here's the other point to the law, and this is where the law invaded everybody's day. It was law that any Roman citizen or any soldier could demand any one of the conquered countries to carry his pack for a mile. It was the law. But just a mile. It was the law. So if you were walking along, taking your stuff to market or going to market or or doing farm work on the side of a field, and a Roman soldier came by. He could demand of you, Nicole, hey, walk away from from your garden. It's the law. You need to carry my pack. You're used to carrying packs. You guys trek all over the country with your packs. They were heavy packs. You have to carry my pack for a mile. It's the law. So everybody understood what Jesus was saying when he said, it's the law, but this is what I'm calling you to do. I want you to carry it two miles. (gasps) Can you imagine? They were going, what is he saying? And here is the beautiful truth of second-mile Christianity. First of all, turn to your Bibles to Romans 7. And Trina, I'm going to have you read some verses for Romans 7, 21 through 25. We all live unto the law of life. All right? There's a lot of laws in life that we have no choice to. It's the first mile of life. We have no choice. We live this. We live unto the law of life. Jesus said, in this life, there's tribulation. All right? He's saying, life. the law of life is trouble. The law of life is hard. The law of life is challenging. The law of life is filled with responsibilities and burdens, and you and I all live to the law of life. We have to. There's no choice. And then he comes in with this amazing truth. He says, now I'm going to tell you, when somebody compels you to go a mile, go two, because this is what happens. First of all, I want you to acquaint yourself with the law. Romans seven twenty one twenty five. 25. When we do life, when we do the laws of life, and maybe you've had a really exhausting week, Maybe you've had a very trying week. Maybe your loved one is in the hospital. Maybe you had surgery or your loved one had surgery, or maybe those kids are driving you nuts, okay? Or maybe it's just life getting hard. We have to obey that, and what happens is we just we obey it and we do what comes naturally. You know what they did back in Rome? Nicole, if you are back in Rome, well, I'm going to say me back in Rome. Because if I saw a soldier coming, guess what I would do? I'd hide behind a tree. I don't want to carry that pack. I've got enough to do. I've got enough responsibilities. I'm busy enough. I've got enough burdens. I'd hide. And Jesus is calling me and saying, Kathy, quit hiding from the law of life. Quit hiding from the hard things. Quit running away. Quit finding a substitute. Because I am going to equip you with everything that you can do for that mile and then another mile after that. And it's not what you do, it's what I do through you. But I go through, it's amazing, I've practiced this for decades. But the flesh is just as strong today as it was 40 years ago, my flesh. I am tempted just the way I was For Now, I do know what to do. Praise God, because his word teaches, and as you put it into practice, you become adept at saying, this is what I need to do. But the fight is always going to be there. The fight to run and hide, the fight to say, it's not my turn, the fight to say, this is unfair, the fight to say, life is hard. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, it's hard in this life. Oh, I'm going to give you some great truths. So, he says, um, don't don't hide from it. Don't do what comes naturally. What comes Here's the law of life. Would you read um, Romans seven twenty one through 25? I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Uh-huh. Oh. There it is, girls. We naturally serve the laws of life naturally, and Jesus is calling me away from this natural state that I naturally live in to a truth that's going to set me free. Are the laws of life fair? (sighs) Are the laws of life um, demanding? Yes. And and even in this word compel, let me tell you what the word compel means. Um, Jesus said, Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile... Compel Compel carries with it the idea of a readiness and a willingness to submit to drum roll, inconvenience and unreasonable demands, a readiness to submit, a willingness to go the second mile. Why would Jesus instruct that because he wants to set me free? And the second mile isn't made possible until I'm obedient in the first mile. First of all, the law of life. It's hard. Sin ruined everything. Sin ruined everything. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So in this sinful world in which we are sinners, we are broken people living in a broken world, Jesus is calling me to a second mile Christianity, and he's saying this is what is going to equip you and strengthen you and encourage you and fill you with my joy and peace as you do the hard mile that you all have to do this side of heaven. Um, Some are born to harder laws in life. Think of some of the things you had to do last week. Footnote, how did you do them? They were hard, I know. Did you do them naturally? Or did you implement this freeing principle that Jesus teaches? We're going to get into that in just a minute. But the laws of life are hard, and for some, they begin very, very early. Tina uh, poloed Trina and myself and asked us to pray for a young man, a teenager named Tyler. Tyler was at camp, and... um, Tyler has multiple seizures every day. And uh, they had uh, their their, um, health techs shadowing him and stuff. And he was experiencing camp with hundreds of other teenagers. His mom came and slept in the nurse's quarters, that's where he slept, so she would take the responsibility of him through the night giving the health techs a break. He went up to Aaron. The preaching was done. Aaron had, was done preaching, and and Tyler made his way to Aaron to thank him, to thank him for, for what the Lord had done in his heart. And he looked at Aaron with his eyes sparkling, and Leslie a grin from ear to ear, and he said, Brother Aaron... This has been the best week of my life. Now, is life unfair? Yes. Does life have burdens? Yes. Some are born with them. And yet this dear Tyler, I've never met him. I'm still praying for him. This dear Tyler experienced camp at a level nobody else did. All of us. We have so much and are given so much and do so much. We miss it. We miss what we really need to hear. And Jesus says, child, still yourself. Be still and know I am God. I have something for you to hear and listen to as you run through those miles of your life that you have to obey. They're your own personal responsibilities. They're your own personal burdens. It's it's your own personal broken life in this broken world. But do not be overcome. Because I have overcome the world. It's in your verses up here. So let's get on to, yeah, but how? Y-B-H. Um, our natural flesh shouts, you want me to do more? <laughs> because that's, you know, it was the law, the law, you The law do one mile, okay, if I have to do it, I'll do it. And if we have to do our life, we'll do our life, you know, and make sure that everybody knows how hard we work and what a martyr we are and how good I am and blah, blah, blah. And then God says, no, 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 I want you to do two miles. And our natural flesh says, I can't do any more. I can't possibly do more. I can't take any more. Life is unfair, demanding, hard, and you're asking for more. But Jesus knew I would start every day on the wrong foot. He personally knew. He walked it. He knew that this life was exhausting, hard, unfair, and demanding. So he says, be still and listen. The law is run. It's the law of life. You all ran last week, didn't you? How many ran last week? We all ran last week, right? We all ran. Yep. It's the law of life. And then he gives me the grace to do more than just run. Now, here's the key verse, but you know it so well, it's going to slip right off your heart. So you've got to think with me. You all know First or 2 Corinthians 12, 9. You all know this. This is the, this is the miracle ingredient God wants to give me in my first mile run, because when I add that to the things that I have to do in this life, whether it's the doctor's appointments, whether it's, whether it's the, the urgent praying, whether it's the unreasonable person, whether it's the betrayal of your best friend, whether it's your child that's driving you nuts, we all have to run that first run. It's life. And Jesus says, this is the ingredient you add to your first mile. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Oh, don't let this be just a memory verse. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Yeah, you're weak by the time you do what you are doing in that first run. God says, don't stop. Don't give up. And matter of fact, let me tweak your attitude in this first run because I'm going to help equip you with my grace. Take my grace in this first run that you're doing, the things that you have to do, and when you add that, I'm going to change everything, and I'm going to strengthen you for the next mile. Paul said then, so I glory in my run, in my insufficiencies. Why? That the power of Christ may rest on me. That miracle mile, that second mile living that we experience when we add God's grace into that first run, the things the first law that we have to keep. It is life changing because it's God's power that is seen and felt in me, not mine. I run out. God never runs out. He says, my grace is sufficient. Get that key phrase in your head this week if the Lord tarries and you're running at the bakery or you're running at the job or you're running in the garden trying to keep everything alive. My grace is sufficient. Add this: What literally is the grace that we are to add? Because see, we memorize that and we know it's a truth. We know it's good. But do we Practically apply it. Let me give you the grace. The very ingredient we're to put in our first uh, ru- our first mile run, Jan, the grace. <laughs> um, first of all, we've got to learn to lay aside the weights uh, that so easily beset us. When, oh, Okay, I'm not going to go into that because I want to get through this one part. Um, I was running on Wednesday. I ran to Kroger to buy one, get one of the roast, and they, Trina put me onto it. And I wasn't just buying for me, I was buying for Tina. She only has Walmart up there at Houghton Lake, and so she was really excited to get some really good chuck roasts, buy one, get one. So I ran on Wednesday to um, get those. I wrapped them in freezer bags. I put them in insulated bags because Doug was going to go up the next day, and he could deliver them. They froze overnight, and the freezer got nice and hard. And so as I pulled them out Thursday morning... Praying for Don and Donna because it was Thursday, and and putting that meat in the front seat of the vehicle, I tucked in a little blue gauze bag that had doTERRA lime oil in it. I love the lime oil. I add it to my water. Okay, two drops of lime water <laughs> makes me happy. Okay, so I wanted Tina to have it. She carries water with her all the time up there, and I want her to have her own little personal bottle. So I. Rolled that up, put it in a pretty gauze bag, put that right beside the frozen meat inside the insulated bag, and I said, Honey, do you want me to put these in the front seat of the car? Sure. He's busy doing a hundred different things. Didn't think anything more about it. An uh, hour, hour and a half later, he kisses me goodbye. He's off. About three hours later, I called Tina, and I said, Honey, did, did you get the meat? She says, Yeah, Mom, I, right, I put it right in the... Uh, in the freezer, I said, "Did you get the, did you get the little lime uh, oil?" No, mom. There wasn't any lime oil in there. And I said, "Honey, it was in a blue gauze bag, size of my hand. You, you can't miss it." I said, "Did you unzip the roast from the insulated bags and put them in the freezer?" You know, there are so many people that do so many things all the time. No, mom. They were not in insulated bags. They were in a big cooler. A big cooler. So I call my honey, hey, babe, <laughs> what happened to the insulated bags, the little bottle of oil? He said, oh, I took the meat out of the insulated bags. I wasn't sure what time I was going to be able to get to the camp, and I wanted to be sure the meat stayed frozen, so I put them in a big cooler with a whole bunch of ice. I put the meat in there. I said, well, did you put the little bottle? That It was in a blue gauze bag. He said, I didn't say it a little blue gauze bag. I said, well, honey, you had to. You unzipped the bags. They were right beside, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't talking get circular, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I'm saying, you had to. Now, as I'm circular talking, I'm, I'm, I'm living the natural Kathy. Ooh. And I'm saying, it had to be there. I wrapped I that so pretty. You know, I blah, 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 blah. And he said, no, I switched it out. Why would you switch it out? Because I did not know what time I was going to get to camp, and I wanted to say, first, blah, 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 blah. We'd already said this three times to each other. Okay. So, and in my heart, I'm thinking, why did he mess with my stuff? (laughs) You know, don't, you know, (laughs) I had it just right. Now, now, given the fact, oh, you've been there, too. I am so (laughs) glad. I am so glad. So, I, uh, he says, I said, where'd you unzip the bags? He said, uh, uh, on the front seat, I said, where'd you get the cooler? Out of the cedar chest. He said, go to the, go to the garage. Uh, okay, I'll go to the 100-degree garage, and I will pull out everything out of there to get that other cooler, I, to find the bags. Sure enough, there's the bags hanging there, empty. Look around. Move things. Move the golf clubs. Move, move, move the table that sat there. No little bag. I said, well, honey, would you please go to the front seat of the car because that's where I had it, and when you unzipped it there, maybe it fell there. Have Will go look. Have Will go look, grandson, you know. Weren't there. Well, the more I thought about it, the more irritated I became. <laughs> and I thought, I just can't believe this. So I said to Doug, I said, all right, let's just, let's just forget it. Let's just forget it. It's 20 25 bucks down the drain. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I said, go enjoy the banquet. It'll be wonderful. And I'm going to go run a couple errands. Well, how could such a little thing irritate me? Because I didn't add God's grace in this first grace we're going to talk about. So let us run with, you're going to know it, Hebrews Oh, Hebrews isn't even up here. That's the one you've got to get to. We'll probably get to it. Hebrews, so let us run with what? Patience. patience is the grace that comes from God. It's not my patience. They run out way fast. God's patience never runs out, and I refuse to add that to my irritation. So I was running in the car and uh, irritated, and the vial was only 20 dollars but my impatience was costing me a whole lot more. Well, praise God, girls, his spirit lives inside of us to correct us, to recalibrate us, to comfort. And when I quieted myself as I'm driving, I said, dear Lord, I just feel irritated. And you know what the first thing the Holy Spirit of God said to my heart? Shame on you. And immediately I knew it was the truth. Shame on you, Kathy. Your husband is more organized than you ever dreamed to be. Your husband cleans up your messes most of the time. Your husband only has one good eye. (laughs) And I said, you're right, you're right, you're right. I am so sorry. Father, forgive me. Forgive me of my lack of grace in dealing with something that is so not eternal. Lord, one of the mottos of my life is if it's not eternal, it's not important. But I made it important because I refuse to add your grace to something so silly as a bottle of oil. Well, I couldn't wait to call and uh, make it right with my dear one-eyed husband. Later that night, we laughed about it. And as soon the, the point is, as soon as I asked for God's forgiveness in that moment, my irritation was gone. My irritation was literally rinsed away. That's what God does when I stop running naturally in that first mile to all the demands of life that always happen to everybody. It's the law of life. It's irritating. It's hard. It's lost like my oil was. And I'm going to tell you in a minute. <laughs> and yeah, come back next week, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, and and so the whole point is the whole point is this: only when I submit, when I remember the word, um, if any um, compel, it's a willingness to submit to that which is. Irritating, unreasonable, undeserved. It's a willingness. I only get to that point when I immediately say, Lord, Lord, add the grace of your patience right now into this thing. Now, I have to quit right here. You can't believe what we're going to get into. It is so beautiful for each of our lives. But I want you to understand that it is the graces of God. What are they? Well, the one is patience in the law of life that is so demanding, add patience to it. We're going to talk a little bit more about that next week, but then we're going to go on to a a number of other graces of God that when we add them to that first mile that we have to run, the things that we have to do, restocking the kitchen, when we add God's graces to it and we willingly look for ways to make our time better or somebody else's time better, (laughs) the second mile happens and that's when, ready, Jesus is seen. Jesus isn't seen in my first mile. That's just the demands of life running through it. Jesus is seen in my second mile where I have submitted and I'm willingly embracing. I'm adding his grace to that first mile of hard stuff, difficult stuff, people, and I'm saying, Lord. And what that does, God then gives me his strength. It goes back to, again, Paul saying, Your strength is made perfect in my weakness. Get excited about that first hard, difficult mile that you don't want to do but you have to do because it opens the way for second-mile Christianity because it's in that when I add God's grace to that, that's where God does his work, and that's where Christ is seen. Christ is only seen in my second-mile living. He's not seen in my first. Everybody has to do the first. It's the law of life. Let me just end with this. Powerful illustration about second-mile Christianity. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. I think I have it in my head. Uh, A soldier uh, became a Christian in the military and wonderfully converted. He started making a practice to pray at his bunk every night. Get on his knees and pray on his bunk with all the other soldiers. Well, of course, it made him a point of mockery with some, and uh, it didn't matter. He prayed anyways every night. One night, a pair of muddy, hard combat boots went flying across the room, aimed at him as he was praying. One of them made contact, knocked him hard on the head. He continued praying, got back into his pocket. When everybody was asleep, he quietly got up, and he took those muddy combat boots, Alice, and he cleaned them and shined them till they looked brand new and quietly placed them over by the soldier's bunk, the one who threw them. The next day, everybody got up expecting to hear what comes out naturally. They didn't. They didn't hear anything. Until the other military man got up, looked at his boots, walked over to the Christian soldier, and put his arms around him and hugged him. What changed? Second mile Christianity. Doing a little bit more. Doing what Jesus tells me to do. Girls, come back next week because you can't believe what we're going to come into. And if we don't come back next week, and we're all on the other side of glory, we'll do it around the throne of grace. Let's pray. Father, may we be committed to being compelled, a willingness to go that second mile. Because, God, that's where you're seen in our lives. And, Father, in all the first-mile things that we have to do today, it's the law of life. God, that is my opportunity to add your grace into it, to smile, to be an encourager, to make the space better, not harder, because of the laws of life. By your grace, we can choose. And God, may we be diligent about that today. And may others see Christ in us because you have taught us and because we have sat and listened, and we are convicted and compelled to go the second mile. We pray this in thy precious name. Amen.